0: Buenos dias, guys. It's an unusually Spanish way to start, but uh, I'm taking a bit of a siesta as we speak. So we find ourselves outside for this recording. So uh, if you come here for any of the sort of audio fix and and you want an ASMR experience, perhaps that's something that'll do wonders for you. And there's nice birds, and I mean, you, you don't get to enjoy the view nor the smell of the flowers but I can assure you they're there um, yeah just a nice bark. just taking a, I kind of did an early morning at work so I'm allowed to leave a little earlier I think it's nice just to stop and take a little bit of time uh, just on my route home for the weekend just between work and, and home kind of walking uh, supposed <laughs> to be nice weather I'm sort of creating a bit of a a verbal picture for you guys of the day. Um, But I guess we'll breeze past that. Because I'm going to assume most people really don't give a fuck. So, on to business. Uh, I really wanted to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know everybody has. I don't really feel compelled to do that in the first week or two. Because, yes, you can go on Google six hours after a movie's come out. And a hundred people have already reviewed it. There's podcasts and all that. I get it. It's nice to get your opinion out there. So, I'm just submitting mine now. Uh, it is now my third favorite Tarantino movie, to say briefly. Uh, First, obviously, for me, is is Kill Bill, which I and uh, Quentin apparently consider to be one movie. Some uh, Weinstein uh, business that caused it to be in two for the release, but I view, I I try whenever possible to watch them back-to-back. I do spiritually view it as one movie. They sell it as one movie now, too, but they sell a lot of double, triple packs of movies. That doesn't mean much. But Kill Bill and Glorious Bastards, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, all of them are, but Inglorious Bastards, you know, fights for that number one spot because it's just... Oh, it's just so jam packed with everything I love. So, firstly, I love when Nazis are the bad guys, because Nazis are the best bad guys. Like, yeah, end of story. So, it's always so satisfying. And you give me a movie that I get to see someone pulp Hitler's face with a, even I think it's a German machine gun uh, to add insult to injury. It's just a absolutely brilliant, delicious little slice of revisionist history. Something that I f- probably would say is my favorite genre. Um, I feel even looking at the superhero genre like Hellboy uh, anything you know Wonder Woman anything that puts war first world war second world war just the human struggle and anything that reshades that with a you know a brush stroke of mysticism or supernatural or the superpowered it makes it just fantastic I am a you know I'm a historian by graduate um, and a lifetime history student I guess everyone should be and it is extremely interesting to me when when they can give a story that has done its homework to really insert uh, really insert the surreal into the real but seamlessly like it's I, I was watching Mary Poppins the new one with my my wife and son well he, he you know he, he watches I don't know if he watches anything he kind of just constantly stares in the corner and looks at like what I think are some sort of spirit ghosts Because he's just always wide-eyed and staring at stuff But he's adorable, so you be you um, So, more or less, I had a, I had a really pleasing experience watching it Because it's such a seamless blend of the the real footage and the animation And the two go hand-in-hand hand. And that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about When you can marry the two of... You know, the nonfiction with the fiction it's great. So, Inglorious Bastards is a retelling, kind of, of of I guess how the war ended, how it would have ended, and it's fantastic filmmaking. He tells a great story. It's uh, you know, it's a wish fulfillment for anyone that's Jewish and that wants to see those guys get scalped, <laughs> but. Uh, the cast is great. Eli Roth's in it, and he's great. Bear uh, Brad Pitt, probably my favorite performance by him. If we're making lists today, I would actually say it's number two. I think um, Achilles is is his pinnacle, his, his opus, like his high point. Not to say high point of the careers, and after that, it was downhill. But that... That is, to me, is iconic. That's his Jack Sparrow. That's his, for, you know, RDJ. It's Iron Man. It's uh, Scarface for Al Pacino. I don't know. Probably. It's that wind. Yeah. So, look, if this becomes one day somehow able to generate enough money to buy equipment to bank. You know to, to make better recordings, I assure you guys, I'll do that immediately. <coughs> but in the meantime, you get that full raw audio experience. and uh, if you're anything like me, you listen to most of your podcasts on the go and in, in places with some background noise anyway, so or in the absolute silence of a workplace, which maybe having this white noise will help you. I don't know. anyway. Kill Bill and Glorious Bastards and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I love his other movies. I I can list them top to bottom another time. But this movie is fucking awesome. You go into it... I went into it with very little expectation because I didn't see the trailers and I've been afraid to admit that I was concerned his better films were behind him at that point. I hadn't... uh, I was okay with Hateful Eight. Um, I was okay with Django. Um, the ending of Django is something I go back and rewatch constantly. It's it fucking phenomenal, but so, you know, it's not the ending that. Same with with Hateful Eight. Um, so I, I didn't know really how to how to prepare for that, and I go into it, and it's just a, a beautiful telling of. A story that takes place in a very interesting time in Hollywood. I mean, I'm not a, a Hollywood historian. I'm not a... Uh, I don't live in California and know the intimate references and details, but anyone who kind of knows a bit of the history of film and, and some of these names and characters and references, and anyone who was certainly alive at that time for the, the more social references, you know, it really it really tickles you in a funny way. It is stunning visually. I mean, the man knows how to... Had a set a scene and had a, I mean, locations were for authenticity. I think either in the actual place or in reproductions. But I mean, it, it, I'm sure anyone that was there could have been, <coughs> excuse me, could have been fooled. It, it was phenomenally authentic, even down to the radio that was always playing. The soundtrack was amazing, as as per usual with him. And just an absolute treat. And I hope... uh, Not that he did it for this reason, but I hope it gets gobbled up by the Academy, because it seems kind of Oscar bait to me, because they they fucking love stories that talk about Hollywood and kind of suck themselves off a little bit. Um, Yeah, let's let's talk about Leo and Brad. Uh, Probably some of the better performances of their careers for both of them. And that's, again... pretty juggernaut careers, respectively. This is one of the best Brad Pitts, though. This is... Firstly, I'll, you know, it, it's the talk of the steamy, I'll say it. The guy's cut, man. He's fucking an awesome shape for a dude of his age. And I have always kind of been on Team Brad in the Brad Angelina, the great Brangelina schism. And I feel like there was a lot of negativity and, and sort of indirect defamation and and just little snipe, you know, snide comments and character assassinations and, you know, the regular stuff that kind of follows a divorce, but <coughs> excuse me, sorry guys, I'm just getting over a cold but it always seemed to be one-sided and that she was either intentionally or unintentionally causing him to be framed in kind of an unpleasant light and uh, anyway, I'd always felt there was a little unjust, and uh, he was probably being kind of gentlemanly about it, and not retaliating, but I just love this guy, man, he's one of the best actors that's out there, he's been in, I pretty much love every movie he's been in, and just probably the most entertaining character in the movie. He's... I don't want to spoil too much, so I'm going to keep it a, a little light on the details. I guess I'm going to wind up spoiling the end anyway, though. So spoiler alert, going into it, you know, you know how we do here. Um, so this is probably the best best friend in a movie I've seen in a long, long time. This guy is the stuntman, uh, sidekick, uh, buddy of Leo's actor. You know, lead actor from a TV role going into a, a cinema career. And the stuntman's got less and less to do acting wise because it's not as, you know, for the combination of Leo not getting a, as big of roles and the industry changing, there's just not as much need for, for him to be working. Uh, so he's mostly doing like odd jobs. He's his, what do they call a like Guy Friday? His, his, his gopher. Um, yeah, so you're not expecting a ton out of him. And you get this flashback where he he's on a set with, it turns out to be, Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee's talking pretty big about how he would beat Muhammad Ali. And they get into an altercation. And, and the first round of it, it's best two or three. They're having like a little organized fight. You know, he like, Shang Sun kicks him in the chest... And then, maybe it's Luke, it's probably Luke Kang kicks him, yeah. Right in the chest, and he gets knocked over, and you're like, oh, okay, so it's one of those. But then Brad Pitt fucks him up, throws him into a car, and like, dents the car. So, I don't know, people talk about how in that scene, it's a bit controversial, because apparently his daughter doesn't like it, because it's a negative portrayal. And then, you know, the staunch defenders of the movie are saying, well, it's, he's, he's remembering it wrong on purpose to just kind of inflate the way he looked, and, and his, uh, his own recanting, make himself more the, the hero there. But whatever it is, I think, like, it's not a big deal. You go into this movie not expecting history to be 100%. I mean, like, I wish history ended the way it did in Glorious Bastards, but it didn't, so you take everything else with a grain of salt, especially when you know and have seen the rest of the movie. I don't know why there's still complaints. But anyway, he, later on, there's sort of, like, two more scenes where his, his fighting comes into play, and it's, Absolutely awesome! I haven't seen him like, you know, kung fu it in in a long time, if if not at all, that I can remember. I mean, like he, lots of combat and lots of hand to hand combat, in, in Troy and Mister and Missus Smith and uh, yeah, I don't remember it. It almost seemed like martial arts a lot of the time. It was fantastic. It looked really, really on point. Nothing with him uh, looked. Like, oh, that's a quick take where, you know, you can see a stunt double Or they had to take a bunch of, like, different shots So that they could help him over a fence or something <laughs> uh, Leo's fantastic I- I've said since Gangs of New York Because I saw Gangs of New York when I was way too young to have seen it And I think because it was so long That I think whatever parent it was it was, like, tapped out early They're like, okay, well, this seems like a long movie You'll know, Finish it yourself not knowing, you know, that's the first time I saw a woman bite a man's ear off and, and stuff like that. So I'm a big fan of it, though. And I knew right away, this guy's like a powerhouse actor. He's like a acquired flavor, though. He's like the pistachio or the 7-Up versus the Coke and Sprite. Like, he's there's 100% things that he can do, and the things that he can do, I think only he can do that well. Uh, I always think he deserved an Oscar for, for Django. I think to be someone so charismatic and likable, but also so despicable and, and revolting was a, such a perfect balance, and, and obviously everyone talk about how he smashed the skull and bled in real life, and that's fucking awesome, and that, that alone should have done it, but that's cheesy, but anyway, no, he's fantastic, um. When he meets the, the the little girl who I don't know if she's based on anybody I never really looked into that I don't know, but she's she's like an up and coming actress, and she's kind of teaching him like some method acting fundamentals and the the tears that they get out of him when he's equating his story to the sort of loser character in his book aging character I should say it It just felt so real, and that's just acting It is, you know trying to genuinely occupy the skin of someone else and convey a, an emotion or a point not not as I was gonna say as his character I can't believe it, I don't remember his his name in the movie. I'm gonna say Dale or something Ugh, killing it not not in a good way, okay, anyway. It was, you don't want to feel like you're seeing Leo cry. You want to feel like you're just immersed fully in seeing this character lose it. And, and it was. It was really, it was great. They I saw some powerful stuff from him. And, I mean, the whole Manson stuff is just so eerie. I had a, an ex girlfriend who was, uh, was involved in like a Christian. African hippie commune type cult. And I won't go into details. I'll save that for another time when we're just going to like rant on <laughs> rant on some bitches. But no, out of respect uh, generally just to keep it vague. Um but I heard lots of stories about that and i had always found cults to be kind of gross because the idea that you could kind of you are just kind of mentally submitting yourself to someone who has like no right to be worshiped or, or lording over you in the way that they do. And it's always, they're always very debased, and there's always like a sexual element to it, and there's often like a violence or a, and either on the initiation side of it or the uh, sort of, we're killing ourselves to join the great saucer in the sky type flavor at the end of it. So it's not, it's not ideal. <laughs> they're not great. Anyway, um, that stuff's great. Whoever that girl uh, is is very. I, I like the energy she brought to the movie. That was fantastic. Uh, Brad Pitt's character. A round of applause for like that car scene. Just being like, nah. <laughs> um, I had a, I had an understanding of the the, the briefest points because my mom actually is a big fan of sort of Hollywood history and the stories, and so she likes those uh, crude true crimes she likes those crude (laughs) true crime shows Um, probably the podcast too if she knew how to listen to a podcast but uh, I always heard stories of like the Manson killings and stuff and so I knew the fundamentals I think I knew um, I knew the names of the guy in the movie the the text guy and and, I knew the I wasn't sure of the names. <coughs> Excuse me. When they go to Spawn Ranch, I didn't really know the name of George. I think it's George now. But I knew the owner, the the, the elderly guy that was letting the hippie squat there was doing that because they had, like, assigned a, a woman to have sex with him or something. And it was, like, it was very well done. That, that whole visit to Spawn Ranch was just so tense. And Tense in in, a, in in almost a horror movie way, but also tense in like a an action movie way. Almost, he, this is a very capable dude. Like this guy can fuck shit up, and we we don't know the extent of it yet. But you're still, I think the Bruce Lee story has already happened. So you you're aware of his prowess, and it's just a bunch of girls here. A bunch of like, no offense, but I mean like they're 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 a bunch of like malnourished, weed smoking hippie girls. So it's not that you know women can't kick ass by all means but these these people the men and the women there were just smushed <laughs> so you know if if he doesn't get what he's looking for the answer that he wants he could just fuck shit up there and on the other hand there's something very unsavory and and uh, i guess off about the whole situation to him and he's 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 Pretty quick to uh, figure that out. I'm not picarding it on purpose, I'm just trying to. Uh, sorry, Kirk. Wow, I really fucked that one up. Kirk it, like, speaking like this. I'm just sort of stroking my beard and trying to recant and uh, reflect on the movie as much as I can. Because it was like uh, two weeks ago now that I've seen it, I've just seen it the once. But I don't know what it was directly that, that gives it away, but he, he right away just figures out that there's something amiss here. And I kinda hoped that we would see him just beat the shit out of uh, Charles Manson, but we did not settle for that hippie that he broke the teeth of. Um, anyway, everyone does 110% on their acting. I think I left Margot Robbie best for last. <laughs> she's she's wonderful. She's obviously beautiful and adorable in the role. And it's when she goes to the theater to watch herself and watch like how the audience is laughing at her jokes and like to see what lands and what didn't. That was just very touching. I feel like that was an extremely human thing. Just you know, who wouldn't do that? Who wouldn't want to know? What the audience, what, what what actual people in the seats are thinking of the movie, about them, their performance, and just the sort of that that want of recognition, but also knowing that that it exists. But still, sort of the modest shyness she had about uh, flaunting it, especially when she goes to get the tickets and beside the poster, and just the body language. Phenomenal performance. Uh, the ending. Oh, God, it, 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 yeah, it goes full Tarantino. It, it was f- so funny. I, you know, I saw it with my buddy Jeff, and I, you could ask him, I was close to fucking dying of, like, just asphyxiation. I had no air in me from how hard I was laughing at this scene. Because you you're, you're terrified in the beginning, and again, spoilers, but. you're fairly sure this is going to be the sad end of the story because the story has a sad ending in real life. And there's a turning point when Brad Pitt's dog bites the gun out of that guy's hand. It was just the best fucking ending you could hope for. He just he just creams two of them, man. They're just fucked up, beats the hell out of them. And the most satisfying, like, skull bone on porcelain countertop kind of way, just, it was visceral, you could feel every minute of it, and I don't want to take away, you guys watch it, there's no, there's no way words can do it justice, unless I guess it's an audiobook of it, and that's probably pretty close, but it was so entertaining, and it ends with, I, I gotta, I gotta spoil it, I'm sorry maybe end it now if you haven't seen it, but it ends with Leo busting out a flamethrower that he had from this movie where he played like a Wolfenstein type of dude, killing Nazis. And he flamethrowers this fucking mutilated, like already blinded hippie woman with a knife in the pool just torches her from like four meters away on on the deck while she's in the water and it is that perfect outlandish, crazy get extremely real and ultra violent Tarantino combination that was just oh so good Dust Beston. Uh, yeah I think I'm going to leave it there in terms of the movie I'm going to sing its praise all day there's a lot a lot to get into Uh, I was looking into a lot of the stuff the characters after, and it's weird that uh, I think two of the the Manson hippie murderer women that were involved in, I think, either this one or a related killing uh, became, like, the longest-serving female prisoner in, uh, I think, California history, which is super nice. i like to think that she lived uh, all of her wretched years in, like, confinement and horrible conditions, because you take lives unjustly, and believe me, the justification is, is very small then, you know, you deserve some no bueno things. Uh, Games. Bring it back to some video games. Fortnite's got season X, season 10 going strong. Um, I've been a little less involved so far. Mostly because I felt like lately, the past two seasons, I'm just... I'm grinding these dailies when I get a chance. And then that's it, you know, by the time I'm done them, it's like, okay, well I'm fucking bored, I don't want to just do regular games like, oh, I got my dailies, did this, this and then it's like, there's no objectives left I'm just kind of disinterested and it just seemed like I had only just completed looking all those sorry, looking for all those Fort Bites and and season 9 accoutrements that I had to go around doing it was it was a lot and I was <coughs> excuse me. A little unsatisfied with the results I felt Season 8, I think it was When I got the pirate And the dragon ninja or something That was, that was worthwhile Because at the end of it, you're like These are some cool fucking characters But it was not really that way I, I didn't feel it felt like your rewards were shitty The, the tier items were shitty and this time they look great, but there's a new interface and there's new stuff and I don't know. <coughs> I've been kind of busy, but it looks good. It's about time and time travel and time displacement, so it's a nice excuse to shake up the map. Uh, they got some new locations popping in and out, which is neat, and some, you know, rumor has it that it's gonna be a lot of familiar ones, like uh Moisty Mire, and uh, I don't know. Wailing Woods, maybe. I'm not sure what's there, what's not there anymore. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been kind of sick and also doing parent stuff, so video game time has been a little limited, but I've been throwing a couple rounds in in the uh, contender level of the tournament system, uh, so i tell you that's hard as shit because it costs you a one of the currency that you're supposed to collect just, just to join the game. Sorry, coffee break. So at that point, you essentially have to succeed in any, any margin. You have to do one thing at least just to break even. That sounds not so bad on an average game, but everyone has a shitty game. Everyone accidentally lands too close to someone else or pulls a shitty chest... Excuse me. And by shitty I mean like, oh, anything, like a hunting rifle, impulse grenade, mini shield, or green pistol, band-aids, and, okay actually, that that's, I've made that work, but, it's something that's, that's not gonna be tight, the beginning is not ideal for you, and I say tight, not like, yo, it's tight, but things are hectic, they're hairy, they get close-knit and they get escalated very quickly at the beginning of the game. Everyone's in a mad scramble for, for chess. Everyone's frantic. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Late game is a lot more calculated. Everyone's got a full inventory, got the team together, coordinating, looking at the map. The beginning is, you know, you check every room, you, you, you scramble. So if you don't have a shotgun, assault rifle, a good SMG, even, like, a pistol if you can aim, and I say that only because headshots with a pistol are gnarly, but unloading three body shots into somebody while they pop you with one shotgun shell is not fun. So it's been a, a you know, it's been a rocky start, but I think game-wise, i got a lot of interesting content to look forward to. The, they warped in it's called Tilted Town to replace Neo-Tilted because Tilted Towers was destroyed and then I think by an asteroid or aliens or something and then it was just rubble flaming rubble and then it was like fast forward to the future it was a future city and then it was destroyed by like a Jaeger kaiju fight and then now I guess because of some time displacement it's like an old timey western town the coolest part is just like with the Continental in Neo-Tilted you know, last season. When you enter into it, it's a specific designated area that restricts uh, well restricts an action. In, in Continental it was fighting, which was very unique because for the first time before you could actually like chill, not just like dress up as a bush, squat in a bush and cope while you text, but like actually like unwind without fear of dying. Just like in the movie, which was neat. But in this one, it restricts your building and your demolishing. So you essentially just have to fight it out. And I can't confirm this, but it seems to only spawn guns that were in that Western game mode. Frontier or Showdown or something. Which is to say revolvers, shotguns, infantry rifles, and similar variants. Um, I think... That's all I've found there, and I've landed there a couple times. But let me tell you, this place is a a swarm of activity. If you want to just fight quickly or die quickly, we're talking about tournament mode. (coughs) This is the spot to land. You land here. Okay, last time, no joke, I killed six people in a room. Just because there was was a room with three entrances. I landed in it on the roof of it, my teammate landed inside, I jumped down to, he got down, and just the amount of, like, almost dead, like, badly wounded people that are, like, running around after engaging in pointless shootouts, it's just easy pickings. So, check it out, because while that hubbub of, of newness is around it, It's extremely uh, populated, and that makes for good fighting because the no building, no smashing, like that takes that annoying PC player advantage away. I appreciate that you know that whole PC master race bullshit, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not gonna take a side. I think for subjective to what's easier for your life. I personally enjoy console gaming because I just enjoy sitting on my couch comfortably, like not having to sit. In a computer setting and engage in a computer way, because I worked on a computer during the day, so... <coughs> I have a computer that's game-capable, but you do you. But it does make it undeniably easier to play some games, especially ones that allow you to assign, you know, hotkeys and, and shortcuts and lay out your keys. So Fortnite's notorious because people can facilitate these, like, quick builds and... and Preset their things, and, and apparently a keyboard allows all that to happen much more quickly. And building is also the part of Fortnite that always gets the most criticism. My like, God, oh, I don't want to play a game where I shoot someone and they turn into a tower. It's like I play the game, and I can't, I can't argue with that. I can't refute that. It's, it's. I think I made up a word. Refute that at the very least. I can't refute that because it is a real problem I've had. Very very promising ambushes or or shootouts with people that have gone awry because someone managed to build a three to four bedroom townhouse on top of themselves while I was shooting at them. And then of course, when they're up there they shield up and heal up and then jump down and create another building on you where you suddenly like there's a trap beside you and there's like stairs in your face and I get it it's yeah good for you I'm sure there's a lot of that at the World Cup but it's extremely fun to be in a small western town where it's just the fundamentals and if you're not good at like being strategic in your approach then you get shot If you just run around like oh jump shotgun jump shot like no you'll get shot If you just pursue people blindly into buildings you get shot. Anyway, I'm hoping I get more time to jump into it. Again, if you guys want to play, I'm always, uh, it's PS4, always looking for, actually, I don't think it matters. Even console and PC, we can all jam together. Hell, even cell phones get in there, I think. I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, after it was like season 3 or 4 or something, there was an update that somehow everyone is connected in terms of their playability, but I played on PS4, it's uh, Rabbi-Pain, Dash so check it out. Uh, I don't have explained before, this makes me laugh. When I was in high school, I think, grade 9 or 10, a buddy of mine was, we were going to make like a a comic we'd been conceptualizing for a while about. Okay, keep in mind we hadn't seen Supernatural at this point, I don't want to say if it existed or not, but we had not seen it. Uh... So it was a, a series about a rabbi and a priest who would essentially roam the uh, the North American continent in search of supernatural entities to, you know, study, capture, destroy, and, and generally help the world against. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Against the uh, the demonic and the those that would seek to do harm from, from the beyond. And it was pretty cool. We made some pretty cool stories. A couple of them actually wound up being eerily similar to Supernatural episodes. That was kind of... Uh, that made me feel cool for our young writing abilities. Anyway, the, the two characters, Rabbi Payne and Reverend Suffering. And uh, I had a whole long story about why his name was Pain and how it made sense. And I, I believe, because I asked my... my co-conspirator to come up with a similar explanation so we'd have the backstory and we'd have the uh, sort of character building potential and I'm pretty sure he took it in a weird way too long way and produced a, a bunch of stories about it that I didn't get a chance to read So, but yeah I think uh, he was he was one of those people that would change his Xbox name up all the time and he was reverend suffering for a while but I had uh, I had mine. Red Ring of Death And so that's when I got a PS3 And then from there I never went back So spiritually we were, we were still connected But I was PlayStation Rabbi Payne he was Xbox Reverend Suffering And uh, For anyone that has had both consoles And I'll give my opinion I'll be more clear I had a PlayStation 1 My very first console And then an N64 shortly thereafter Because divorced parents you know, One console at each home which, I mean, it sounds spoiled to say it that way, but there were some fucked up circumstances on how we got them, so it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, then PS2, a bunch of years later, actually just two of them, one at each house, and so I can say Sony we've had throughout. In a way, I've had Nintendo throughout, too, but we always had... PCs in the form of like laptops so we were doing a lot of gaming on those and we could but then I went PS3 uh, I guess I had an Xbox for a while during the, the great Halo 3 times I don't even know when that was year wise but that was some of the best gaming of my life Halo 3 is the ultimate game the best multiplayer, best campaign best soundtrack just a fucking win on all fronts. That is the title that made me buy an Xbox, and because we had, me and uh, I guess my best friends at the time had, we were doing what was called a machinima, which now I guess you would just have a, a YouTube channel or a, I don't know what it is. It was just, for some reason it was new at the time. It was the idea of like recording your the video game characters doing stuff and then voicing it over after as a, as a, as a show. And I will. You know what? I 100% will, will do an episode explaining the story that we had, what we wanted it to be, and then what it turned out to be in the experience. I'll do that in the next couple of sessions, but it's a good time. You're just hanging out with friends, and you always think that your projects are you know, tremendous significance and artistic value, and looking back on it, it's, it's good fun. So we had played through... You essentially need to collect the skulls, which are, I I air quotes, they're actually skulls, but they're hidden throughout the game as, as Easter eggs, and some of them are in exhaustingly hard to find places. Some of them are easy to find, some of them are not. And in order to unlock the full variety of armors, which we needed to customize our characters for the previously mentioned video. We had to beat the game, campaign mode, on the hardest difficulty, whilst collecting all the skulls. And in a a series of two sleepovers, we accomplished that, and that was one of the best moments of my life. And it was, it may have been, it may as well have been us in Kuwait, in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, (laughs) We were brothers in arms, man. No, it was—it's a really good time. It took a lot of coordination and communication, and and uh, just you know raw video gaming. I don't think you get the couch co-op experience like that anymore. And if you do, it's not—it's not really the same. It's—it's it's usually tacked on as a feature or it's a mode or something. This was a game. That that was integral. That was the ability. We would most of the time, you know, schlep another TV into the room, and a buddy would bring a console, so we'd have eight eight spots. We would usually have six players, but three and three or four and two. But that was the fun, and that was the fun. you know you didn't go online and meet online. You didn't. You, you could. This was available at the time, of course. But there's just something so much more fun about everybody being in the room. That hype. That excitement being there. That sort of visual that you all share in, in in the spectacle of it because it's real time in the same room you're all watching the same match you know it's, there's a, a there's a group energy and enjoyment there's a an excitement that's much more palpable when it's shared amongst everybody and it's just good fun you know, you call, you know each other out on their bullshit and uh people playing like dicks, so I will do a Halo 3 episode through and through, mostly because I'm trying to figure out how to get it again, I'm sure you're going to play it, and that's when I want to do it, but that was a game, uh, and we were great too, I mean, I'm not going to brag above anybody else, but we were, each of us, phenomenal in our own right at the game, and I only say that because we played constantly, I mean constantly, since a It came out. So let's say it came out around Christmas time. From then on, this local internet cafe arcade thing at the theater near my high school, they had it. We'd play like half an hour for $2 or $1.50. Every lunch, I would go with a couple friends and we'd play at lunch and we'd pay our time and play. It was enough for like one or two quick rounds. It was a good time. Uh, Play when we get home, play on the weekends. And I'm not just saying, you know, the the grind makes you good, but it all came into perspective once when we were at that cafe and these kind of sketchy, older, like, university age, maybe kids, like, a bit of weed, like, a bit of a high school druggy kind of vibe, not like a, they just happened to be doing weed, which unto itself is kind of harmless and would make it a little more friendly, in my opinion. They were just, like, kind of wrong side of the tracks, folks. And they're like, oh yeah, like they're, on, they're They're playing the, the game Because I think they only have like the one or two CDs They're like, hey guys, would you, like, how about we play for it? And we're like, okay, maybe, sure and They're like, how about we play for some money, you guys want to bet? And my buddy who I think had cash was like, yeah, sure man And I'm like, you can, I just, I don't have cash And he was like, oh, well then, no, maybe we shouldn't And I'm like, anyway, wish we did Because we played them and we fucking destroyed them and I thought, like, we, you know, gonna get, get hustled, like, uh, halo sharks, like, <laughs> pool sharks, and they were gonna be, like, amazing, but they were trash, and we cleaned them up, and, like, the taunting started when we were almost, like, it was first to 50, and it was something like, we were in the 30s, and they had not even cracked 10, and we're like, this is bad for you guys, man, like, and then I went to a convention, and God bless this woman's heart, and I don't want to shit talk her, but there was a, a quote, celebrity there, who was, like, a model gamer girl and Halo champion. Apparently, like, she had participated in these American tournaments, and you could play with her. That sounds really bad. You could play Halo with her by donating some money, and they went to a charity, and you could take a photo with her, and it was... uh, It was nice. It was a good time. So I was cosplaying at the time, and, uh, you know, I was always a pretty chill guy, and, uh, like, having good conversations with good people, and a lot of people... Not a lot, but... uh, a noticeable percentage of people with some of those things are you know, a little socially awkward or a little maybe unclear on how to act around around women. So this was at a time where, you know, I was going there and I was, like, with, there with my girlfriend and we were all super chill. And so we, we really ended up hanging out with this girl a lot and having a good dialogue with her. And her line had gotten kind of small and I wasn't watching any of the gaming. She's like, do you want to play it? I'm like, absolutely. So I gave her, like, twice the donation amount. And I'm like, oh, you know, this will just be fun, we'll play. And she's like, okay, we'll, like... And she's, like, jokingly trash-talking. And I laid this woman up. It was Slayer, just straight, you know, free-for-all, 1v1, high ground, first to 25, standard weapons, standard everything. She was okay. It was 18 or 19 to 25, though. I fucking destroyed her. And she was, like, she was a good sport. and we we both kind of mutually chuckled about it, and then I'm like, "Do you want to go again?" And she was closer. It was I think 23, but I fucking beat her again. And she was she was dressed as Cortana, which was great. She had great costume, and so like she wanted to play again. But at that point, we'd be like drinking and staying alone in her room to play this game. And my girlfriend was was not as chill about that. Uh, I think. We, I just, whatever it was, there were no more rounds to be played, but, yeah, this was someone that, these were alleged tournaments, and, like, if you say I'm I'm a nationally ranked runner, and I'm able to fucking outrun you, and I'm not a professional runner, then what does that say? <laughs> so, I, I'm not going to say I was better than any of my friends, I think it's some, I, I was the close combat guy, I love that shit in video games, I love swords, I figured out the double slash before everyone, I was a dick about that, I cleaned house, it was like an unstoppable sword machine, just a, just a flurry of blades, until eventually a combination of them working together and staring at my hands and controller figured out how to do it, but that's, that's how game goes baby. Uh, so I had, you know, everyone's good at their thing, it was, it was tight, we'd play first to 50 and everyone would be in that 40s range. And, yeah, a couple times that I saw that tested, we destroyed. And it's like riding a bike, I find, with, with games that... I don't know if it's the, the repetition of how often I played them, or playing them at a time that maybe it was influential because I was maybe still developing. But things like Super Smash Bros., uh, Tekken, Mario Kart. Uh, I want to say Soul Calibur, but that's kind of just Tekken copy-pasted. Uh, Age of Empires. And, yeah, Halo, they're just like riding a bike. I mean, you get rusty, but you never forget how to, like, just, it's a muscle memory. I could just pick up a controller now and just kind of, within a 30 seconds, be capable and competent. Within a minute or two, be back to where I was. <coughs> anyway, that got super off track, but that's how we do, I guess. Uh... Probably gonna make another one before the end of the week. I will definitely give you guys a Halo uh, episode because um, our uh, machinima that we were gonna make, I gotta dissect for you, but also just the sheer amount of, of fun that Halo 3 is. I got more in me. But also, Halo kind of was a case of something getting a little too big for its britches, and it, it I, definitely think it's a cautionary tale for a lot of game studios and series that you can have an organically ending concluding game and leave out on top or you can drive something into the ground and beat a dead horse until you're just making crap games and you've you know you've run it on too long and I'll leave it on that cliffhanger I don't want to get too much into it but if you want to look into ahead of time Halo 3 was billed as the end of the series. They used the, the slogan, finish the fight. Um, the end was a big slogan I saw on shirts, and it was just gonna be the end of a trilogy, and it would have been great. And then immediately following it, they make this game that's like pretty much exactly the same thing called ODST, but you play like a smaller, weaker Spartan. And it's like, okay, I guess. No, they're not about him, so you didn't break your promise. And then they make, like, this RTS game, which crashes one of the best game studios that made Age of Empires, ensemble, I think. Uh, I think that was what, literally, the, the sword that impaled them. And then they just fucking bring Halo... Like, they bring him back. Like, oh, he frozen in space. He back now. It's like, all right. And then there's more games. That's... I don't know. I know some people are diehard fans of that universe and I guess you gotta feed that but I, I feel like when you it's like killing characters and bringing them back if you don't commit to the stakes of your own universe then you, you think the audience is gonna be committed? Interested even? Anyway it's probably where we're gonna leave it for this time for this day uh, I just moved about a week ago We've actually unpacked everything and settled in because uh, my wife's pretty efficient at that stuff and we have a good system where like we do stuff on rotation and in the morning i take out these huge piles of garbage and recycling. But we bought like a ton of new furniture and our new place has got like a hell of a lot more space than it had before. So it's a good time. Um, yeah, combination of Wayfair, IKEA and some other places, so yeah. They don't, they don't pay me to uh, make that advertisement. Mostly because if Ikea sponsored my show, I wouldn't record it in a park. But <laughs> I'd record it on there. Easy to build and durable furniture. <laughs> but speaking of Ikea, I'm going to leave you guys there. I'm going to enjoy my Dreckflader. Fleder? Dreckflader? It's elderflower drink that I got when I was at Ikea. So on this Friday... I wish you guys the best. Uh, you know, TGIF, go go do something fun tonight. Uh, yeah, that's me taking the straw off my juice box. I will say, as a as a post credit scene, Now I mentioned on, on Twitter, uh, speaking to some of the, the CinemaSins people, and uh, specifically, I know Jeremy and Barrett have uh, a specific interest and background and, and connection to uh, therapy and, and psychology and psychiatry as a profession so I'd mentioned to them I'd been sort of on the fence about seeking uh, you know some some therapeutic discussions and going to have a couple sit downs and talk some stuff out and I'd been working away and listening to the podcast the same cast, and they had taken a week to dedicate to mental health and shed light on that and just the casualness and the, the sort of light-hearted acceptance in the way of everyone's speech was very positive and i'm like you know what it's a good time to do it so i kind of was a little inspired by that so i, I booked a session and i had uh had that appointment this week yesterday which was very cool uh guy was extremely chill and uh obviously it's a long road and it's not a you, you visit once and you're good but it was, uh, felt like a nice step in the right direction, we'll say, so I will keep you guys updated about that, if anyone cares not sure if you do, but I'm supposed to be okay with that <laughs> uh, anyway it's a good time they are doing some good content there as well, if anyone's interested in hearing the pros and cons of Marvel versus DC films and, uh if you have any interest in their MCU versus DCEU, DC Marvel versus DC bracket, they have is great. So I will leave you guys there. Finally, I did another one of those Return of the King like ending on ending on endings. But you're all fantastic for listening. So enjoy your weekend, and I will see you next time.